to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Bible, would you grab it today and turn with me to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew. We've been in a series for a couple of weeks that we've been calling the characters of Christmas, the characters of Christmas, and I want to continue that today, uh, speaking about the main character of Christmas. Who's the main character of Christmas? It's not not Saint Nick, not uh, the elf on the shelf. It's Jesus. The main character is Jesus. And so we want to set our hearts around Jesus today as we enter into this week of Christmas. And uh, so if you have your Bible, you can grab it with me and turn to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, we'll put it up on the screens. I've asked Miss Marcia to play while I read because the Christmas story just sounds better with a little music behind it. And uh, there we go. Thank you. It says this, Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name, let's say it together, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this, this morning for Jesus. We thank you today that in this day and age that we live in, God, we thank you that you have not left us alone. Father, we thank you that we are not wandering in darkness, but God, even as we have been singing this morning, God, that we have seen a light, the light of the world, the light we've been waiting for. And Father, we pray that today that light of Jesus would shine in our hearts. Father, I pray that there would be a refreshment and a renewal of the joy of Christmas in our hearts today. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it sounds better. It sounds so much better. Just want Marcia to come with me all the time around the house. Every time I talk to Jennifer, just play, Marcia. I think it would really smooth out a lot of things, all right? You shall call his name Jesus. Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sin. 
I want to talk to you about the main character of Christmas, Jesus, this morning. And I want to start by asking you a question, and it is this. What's in a name? What's in a name? Uh, If you've ever had to name something or someone, you know the the weight of that responsibility. If you've ever had to name, uh, maybe maybe you started a business and you had to think, what's the name of this business going to be? Maybe you had a baby and you're wondering... What should we name this, uh, this baby? Uh, I, I remember for Jen and I, when we were expecting our second child, Finn, who's sitting here on the front row, uh, I remember we had a little list of baby names. Who's, who's done that before? You have a, a list of baby names. Some of you do. Some of you, who's in need of a baby name this morning? Any of you needing a baby name? You can trade with those that have a list. Uh, but I remember... Um, we had Anders, and we were getting ready to have Finn. Jen was expectant, uh, expecting Finn and coming to the end of the pregnancy, and we didn't know if he was gonna, if it was a boy or a girl. And so we had these these list of names, all the boys' names and all the girl names. And I remember um, going out to the playground while Anders was playing on the playground. And I remember we would bring the list of names, and we would sit there by the playground, and we'd yell out the names uh, just to kind of. See how it felt. You know what I mean? You got to feel it. You got to see, how does this feel? And so we'd yell out the names as if we're looking for a child. You know, we thought that was kind of safe at the playground. There was a bunch of kids around there. We had one, but everybody thought we had like 20 because we're yelling out all these names. I remember some of the names, Hudson, Hudson, where are you? We're like, Hudson Johnson, Hudson Johnson. No, not going to work. Uh, uh, Chatham was another name. That's kind of a family name. We had these names. We'd yell them out, Chatham, Chatham, where are you? Everybody thought, man, these are some negligent parents. They've lost all of these kids. And, and I remember we, when we came to Finn, we said, Finn, 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 uh, Finn Iver, Finn Iver, Finn Iver Johnson. That kind of has a good ring to it. We're going to go with that. And, and that is what we named him, which is, again, kind of a family name. But uh, how many of you know that naming something or someone can kind of be, uh, it's, a, it's a heavy responsibility. Who knows what I'm talking about? It feels like, man, this is a heavy uh, weight. If I call him the wrong name and give him the wrong name, and, you know, do we, can we do a rebrand? How does that work, you know, if we give him the wrong, give him the wrong name? It just feels like a big, uh, a big responsibility. And I think, you know, all of us, whether we've had to name maybe a dog or a cat or a business or a, um, you know, or, or a child or anything, maybe it's still a, 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 even a, a business that you want to start someday, but you've named something in your heart, you, you, you understand the importance of a name and you understand the gravity of a name. And, and it's really because a name reveals uh, the nature a name reveals the nature. In fact, I just have to say the Goldies, uh, I love their little guy's name, Glad. Glad. Isn't that a great name? Yeah. I mean, I just wish that was my name so that every time I introduce myself to somebody, I could introduce myself. Hi, I'm Glad. <laughs> Hi, I'm Glad. Glad to meet you. But I love that name, and I, I love uh, the recognition that a name reveals a nature. It says something about a person or about a thing, an entity, an identity, and uh, God understood that. And I have to tell you that God kind of made it easy for Mary and Joseph. They had it easy, didn't they? 
uh, because God spoke to Joseph in a dream through an angel. An angel appeared to him in a dream and said, you're, you're, uh, Mary is going to have a child and he's conceived by the Holy Spirit and his name shall be called Jesus. And uh, how many of you know if an angel gives you the name, go with that name? And uh, his name will be called Jesus. And I know we're all familiar with the name of Jesus, but I think sometimes it's easy to forget that his name reveals his nature. His name reveals his identity. And the name Jesus, or perhaps a more accurate translation of the original, would be Yahshua. Yahshua. His name will be Yahshua. The word Yahshua means Yah, God, Yahshua means saves. And so the name Jesus reveals the nature of God, reveals God's intention that God is a Savior. That God is a Savior. And it says His name shall be called Jesus. Why? Because He will save His people from their sins. He'll save His people from their sins. Now, I know sin is not a word that we talk a lot about at Christmas time. I've yet to see a lamppost with a banner on it that has a Christmas graphic and it just says sin on it. Look around town, you probably won't see any of those. I've yet to see a Christmas cookie that has the frosting, S-I-N, sin. Or, um, you know, a Christmas crossword puzzle that says sin. No, you know, we don't talk a whole lot about sin at Christmas time, but what I want you to see here is from the the scripture that that if we don't recognize the reality of sin, we we don't understand the reason and the meaning for Christmas. Apart from the recognition that this is the condition of all mankind trapped in sin, Christmas becomes meaningless. Christmas is just about, I hear people say it's, Christmas is all about family. Well, family is great at Christmas, but it's about a lot more than family. People say, you know, it's all about, um, you know, food and celebration. Well, that's great. I love food. In case you're wondering, I love food. But Christmas is about a lot more than food and even just celebrating the season. It's about the recognition that we have been saved from sin. And that word sin means to miss the mark. It's an archery term that means to miss the mark and to therefore lose the prize. And God is saying that that was the condition of all mankind, that we had all sinned, that we've all missed the mark. We could say it this way, we've gone our own way, and now we're stuck. Have you ever done something and you thought it was going to be good and the outcome didn't end up the way that you expected it to be. We probably all have. And that's what the angel is saying to Joseph about the condition of mankind, that we were all stuck in sin. The Bible says this in the New Testament, the book of Romans, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in that condition. The, the, the Christmas story is reminding us that the primary problem in the world we live in is a sin problem. It's not an economic problem. If it was an economic problem, God would have sent an economist to us. It's not a social problem primarily, although we have social problems. If it was a social problem, God would have sent a sociologist to us. It's not an emotional problem first. 
If it was an emotional problem, God would have sent a psychologist to us. There's nothing wrong with all of those things. Those can all be good things. But what the Christmas story is reminding us is that the primary problem with humanity is the problem of sin. And it's because of that problem that God had sent a Savior. He didn't send an economist. He didn't send a sociologist or a psychologist. He sent his son as a Savior. The angel says, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. The word save means to deliver, to rescue, to to bring out of problem and despair. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you need to be rescued. I don't know if you've ever found yourself. I know, of course, all of us spiritually have been in that place. But I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a place where, where all you could say is, Help! Help! Somebody! Anybody! Help me! That was the condition that the angel is speaking to, that we needed to be rescued. I don't know if you remember... Uh, Maybe some of you do. I think it was in the early 80s, mid-80s, there was a a story on the news of baby Jessica. Who remembers the story of baby Jessica? Some of us do. Uh, Baby Jessica was a little girl. I think she was about two years old in Texas, and she was walking through her yard and didn't realize that there was an open, um, I think it was a well or some sort of uh, large hole, very deep hole in her yard. And, you know, it was such a small hole that they had never worried to cover it. But now as Jessica walks over it, she uh, is just the right size to fall into this little hole and, and falls down, I think about 20 or 30 feet with her leg stuck up above her head. And she's She's stuck in that place. Her parents are wondering, where is she? And uh, the nation was glued to their, their televisions uh, as the, the rescue story of baby Jessica unfolded. Everybody was glued to the events of what was happening and, because within everybody, there is this uh, resonance of the need to be rescued. We love a rescue story because in our core, there is something in us that recognizes we all need to be rescued. I remember when, my, uh, when I was growing up, my brother, in fact, all of my brothers uh, were daredevils. My older brother, Jordan, who is 16 months older than me, wanted to be a stuntman. And so uh, he put a lot of energy into career development uh, as a child and as a teenager, jumping off of anything that he could um, and, and, you know, practicing any opportunity that he got. And I remember one time when we were quite young, I remember uh, he was probably uh, six or seven years old. I remember he climbed up in a tree in our yard. He climbed up, uh, I mean, almost to the top of the tree, uh, 25 feet in the air. It's kind of like the climbing tree out here on Park Avenue. Some of your kids are familiar with that. And I remember he went up in the top of the tree and and actually went beyond even where my parents had said to go to. And I remember he was at the top of the tree and the branches, you know, got thin up there. And suddenly this little thin branch that he was standing on collapsed under his weight and he fell from about 25 feet in the air. And and, uh, miraculously, as he's falling, uh, just as he begins to fall, his foot is caught between two other branches, and he's hanging upside down at about 20 feet in the air. Now, 20 feet in the air doesn't sound that high until you're hanging by your ankle. 
from a branch or branches at 20 feet in the air, or even higher when your child is hanging at 20 feet in the air by their leg. And I remember sitting there and I'm just going, Dad, Dad. And Jordan's going, help, help, help. He's screaming, help, help. Suddenly he was, you know, thinking of a career change at that moment as a seven-year-old. But I remember him yelling and I remember my dad in the house hearing the, the voices of his sons outside screaming for help, yelling for help. And my dad came running out. And uh, I've never seen a man move so fast in, in all of my life. He was like Flash Gordon up the tree, grabbed my brother, pulled him out of the tree, carried him back down. And, and what was he doing? He was saving him. He was rescuing him. And that's the picture that God is giving us, that through Jesus, God has come running to us. He has heard our cry. He's heard the cries of humanity, the pain of, of the human condition. And God has come running to us. And through Jesus Christ, God has climbed the tree. And it was ultimately the tree that he was crucified upon. And he has given his life as a rescue mission for humanity. That's the reason for Christmas. That's the celebration of Christmas, that we have been saved by God through Jesus Christ. God has sent Jesus. His name is called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And I want to give you today five reasons that I believe we can all recognize that Jesus is our Savior. Why, why do we look to Jesus? Why do we trust Jesus? Why do we celebrate Jesus? Why do we remember Jesus? There's five reasons why Jesus is uniquely our Savior. Number one is this, that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Again and again throughout Jesus' life, he would say things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, he would say, I and the, and the Father are one. What was he saying? He was unashamedly saying, I'm not just a good man, I'm God. I'm God. And Jesus is uniquely able to save us, to deliver us, to rescue us, because He is God. You see, an ordinary man like you and I could never pay for the sin of all mankind. There had to be someone who was greater. My life is worth one life. But in order for all of humanity to be rescued, there needed to be a greater life. Therefore, God came in the flesh, God incarnate. The Bible says that he became flesh and dwelt among us. So the, the first reason I want you to see that Jesus is the Savior is because Jesus is God. The second reason I want you to see that Jesus is the Savior is because Jesus is also man. Jesus is man. You see... As God, he could pay for the sins of all mankind. But as man, he was uniquely positioned to pay the penalty of our sin. You see, God would be unjust to make another pay for the sin of humanity. Therefore, God had to come as a man in order to pay for the sins of mankind. It's kind of like this. If you, when you're a kid, uh, anybody ever get in trouble for what their siblings did? 
Just, just Jarrett and I, a couple of us. Yeah. Well, in Jesus, God became a man so that he could bear the righteous punishment of all of our sin. You know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Now, we can hear that and we can think, wow, that's so intolerant. Sin, that's so intolerant. I'm not really into sin. I'm not really into talking about sin. And, and you know, oftentimes we have that mindset until somebody sins against us. Uh, some of you may remember a few years ago on Christmas Eve when our house got broken into. I mean, the wet bandits on Christmas Eve. Can you imagine what kind of person would do that? What kind of person on Christmas Eve would steal kids' presents? The Lord totally redeemed it. But I have to tell you this. I got real clear about what sin was in that moment. That's a sinner right there. That's a sinner. The reality is, though, I'm in the same place. I'm in the same place. So God came in Jesus as a man so that he could take the punishment of humankind. The Bible says in the Old Testament that the blood of, uh, in the book of Hebrews, that the blood of bulls and goats is insufficient it had to be the life of a man. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 18, that as one man's offense, through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men and women, all mankind, through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the Savior because he's man. Jesus is the Savior because he's God. The third thing I want you to see why Jesus is the only Savior is because Jesus is also good. Jesus is good. Some people wonder, what is God like? And Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And God, uh, Jesus was revealing the nature of the Father as purely good. You see, even if he was God and he was man, if he was not good, he would not have saved us. In the same way that my, my dad, uh, it was his goodness as a father that motivated him to climb the tree. I mean, he could have been right in saying, I told you not to get up there. You, not my problem. He, he could have... Um, he could have said, well, you're going to learn a lesson now. Help yourself. But even in that moment, it was the goodness of his heart, the love of his heart, which is ultimately a reflection of the love of the Father that caused him to run. And that's the heart of God. God is good. He sent Jesus because he is good. The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus is good, and the fact that we even have a definition of what is good and what is bad reveals that there is a standard, and His name is Jesus. In fact, the word that this Scripture uses when it says He will save His people from their sins, that word save in the original language is the word sozo in the Greek, and that word sozo is not just the forgiveness of sins, but it's the full restoration of everything that was lost, everything that was broken, every penalty because of sin. In other words, not only does God forgive us from our sin and cure us of sin, He also deals with the consequences of our sin. 
I'll put it this way. My dad didn't just bring my brother down and say, well, you're on the ground. My job is done. He, he took him, and not only did he get him loose, but he also carried him down. And not only did he carry him down, but he carried him into the house, and, and he took care of his leg, and he took care of the pain, and he provided for him, and he nursed him, and he comforted him. I'm glad to tell you today that if you're in pain, if you're suffering today, comfort and healing and wholeness is all a part of salvation. Yes, it is the forgiveness of our sins first and foremost, but it's also the total restoration of all of the effects of sin. You don't have to live your life in a place of brokenness because he is also our healer. He's our restorer. I love what Dallas Willard says when he says that eternal life is not just a quantity of life, but a quality of life. In other words, as Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. He doesn't just get us out of our problem and leave us in our brokenness. He heals us. He restores us. He provides for us. He comforts us. Why? Because he's good. Because he's good. Jesus is good. The fourth thing I want you to see why Jesus is uniquely the Savior is because Jesus is not only God, not only man, not only is he good, but he's also strong. He's also strong. You see, I was there, and honestly, I loved my brother, but I couldn't help him. I, I, I wasn't much of a tree climber. I, I was standing there, and I was going, this isn't good. This is not good. Jordan, you're in big trouble, man. You are in big trouble, and uh, phew, you are upside down now. This is a problem. And, you know, that's kind of how religion is. Religion and self-righteousness can tell us how we failed, but it can't do anything to help us. It's kind of like me standing there, man, you, <laughs> you really did it now. You've done it now. You're in big trouble now. And, and that's kind of a picture of religion. I was like a little Pharisee sitting there just criticizing him. <laughs> Any of you have a little brother like that, a little sister like that? Anybody have a little Pharisee in training in your house? They love to tell you all that you, all that you do wrong. Maybe you got a kid like that. Don't point at him if, if, if you do, but they can tell you all that you do wrong. They're an expert on everything. They've just, they can't do anything. That was the place I was in. And that's the place the law was in. The Bible says that the whole purpose of the law in the Old Testament was to point out our own uh, inadequacy, our own inability to save ourselves. It revealed to us that we were powerless and that we needed a Savior. But it was Jesus who was strong enough. Just as my dad came and that supernatural strength that caused him to race up that tree and carry my brother down. He had to be strong. Not only good, he had to be strong. You see, oftentimes the world that we live in sees people in that condition or sees us in that condition and is powerless to help and therefore uh, redefines the condition that they're in. And, and bad becomes good and good becomes bad. And so not only is religion powerless to help us, self-righteous religion powerless to help us, but also the world is powerless to help us. The world would, and the culture that we live in that is so often against God and against the Scripture would, would say, you're not, you're not in problems. 
Your, le- your leg's not broken. That branch isn't about to fall. You're not upside down. We're all upside down. You're actually good. And that's what the world says, and it's powerless to help us. But out of God's goodness, he tells us the truth. And out of his strength, he steps in to help us. Nate said it earlier, I think it was Nate, who said he's mighty to save. He's mighty to save. If God was good, but he wasn't strong, he he could love us, but he could not help us. But it was his strength, his power that enabled him to rescue us. Ultimately, the greatest demonstration of power in the empty tomb when Jesus defeated not only death, but he defeated hell. He defeated the grave. He defeated sickness. He defeated every demonic power. What do you do to a, what can you do to a man who can't be killed? It's the ultimate victory. I know it's not Easter, it's Christmas, but Jesus is strong. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 24, that he loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. I love that. You can't hold him. You can't stop him. He is strong. And lastly, Kendall, you can come back up, or worship team, whoever's coming, you can come up. Not only is Jesus our Savior because he's God, not only is he our Savior Because he's man, not only is he our savior because he's good, not only is he our savior because he's strong, the last thing I want you to see is that Jesus is our savior because he's here. He's here. He's present. You know, I wasn't there with with my dad as he climbed up to the top of the tree. I was watching from a distance, safe distance. But, but I can imagine that as he got to the top of the tree, suddenly there was a comfort that came. Suddenly there was a, a, a sense of everything's going to be okay. Because dad is here. Dad is here. And, and God is saying, you guys can begin playing. God was saying, in Jesus, I'm here. I'm here. You see, we could never get to God. We were incapable of rescuing ourselves, unable to help ourselves. Therefore, God had to come to us. And in Jesus, what theologians call the incarnation, God, the eternal, immortal, invisible, unchangeable God, became clothed in an earth suit became wrapped in humanity. Why did he do that? He could have sent an angel. He could have sent someone else, but God came himself because he's wanting to say, I'm here. I'm here. The Bible says this, that he is a very present help in time of need. And just as my dad I'm sure said to Jordan, son, it's okay, I'm here. Son, it's okay, I'm here, you're not alone. That's the good news of the gospel, that God is here, that God has come to us through Jesus Christ, that when we could not rescue ourselves, he came to us. And I'm glad to tell you that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I want to ask you if you would just to stand to your feet.
just a moment, if you would.